final message, keys to being blessed is what we're talking about, and this is message three. And so we're going to talk about this tonight, but what I think I really hope to do is just show us some of the ways in which we could take the blessings that God's given us and in turn um, pay them forward to an extent, uh, really just go out and be a blessing to those around us. And what are just some practical ways? So I'm going to list a few ways. It's not an exhaustive list. There's many, 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 many more ways. But I'm just going to focus on a few key things that I think that we can do with the blessings that God gives us. And I think sometimes some of you may struggle with that word blessing because maybe you've seen it misused or improperly used or maybe um, focused simply on one thing. I think many in our society associate blessing with simply with something like wealth or material things. I think I've come across that before. And that is one of the ways that God can choose to bless us. I've seen it happen. I've seen him bless financially. I've seen, um, you know, being in a situation in my life where God comes through and all of a sudden provision happens and things are taken care of. And so that's definitely one of the ways that God can bless us, but I think we must recognize that the blessings that God wants to give to us are much more than just narrowing them down to one thing or two things, but God's blessings are abundant, and they're seen in so many areas in our lives, right? You know, yeah, we could see God's blessing uh, in, in a financial way, in a providing way, but what about through people? What about through the people he's put in our life? What about family? What about health? What about, you know, just in the opportunities he gives us or the gifts or the abilities or all these things that are really just a work of grace. We see God's blessing on our lives. And so as Pastor John has been teaching us, when God blesses us, it is not simply for us to sit on that and just get comfortable and just keep it all for ourselves. But God blesses us so that we can go out into the world around us and bless other people. He blesses us so that we could also be a blessing. You see, Jesus said it like this to his disciples. He said, freely you have received, now freely give. Freely you've received, now freely give. And it's this truth that God blesses us. And that's a beautiful thing. But it's not simply just for my or your benefit. But the blessings God gives us, they need to benefit those around us as well. And so blessings are meant to be less like, you know, lakes and more like rivers. They flow, they move, they find others. There's a stream of blessing, right? Last week, Pastor John talked to us about this, that blessings are meant to flow in three directions. There's, first of all, the blessing from God to man. And, and, And we see that right at the beginning of Scripture, right in the beginning. And then there's this blessing from man back to God. But there's also a place where man blesses man. You see, the first part is knowing that God blesses us. In Ephesians 1.3, we read the words, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And God's blessed us. And we need to recognize that, that, you know, God has blessed us, which in turn needs to lead to us blessing God. Psalm 103 and verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. 
And if you keep reading in that psalm it, psalm, it goes on to talk about the benefits that God has blessed you with and the things that he's done. And it's a powerful psalm. Powerful psalm to read. Powerful psalm to pray. But then we don't just stop there. God to man, man to God, but man to man. In turn, we go out into our world and we bless other people. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works. And not give glory to you, but give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Luke 6.31 says it like this, And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. In Matthew, we call that the golden rule, right? The things that you'd want done to you, well, make sure that you have a mindset that you go out and do that to other people. And so what are some practical ways that I think we could take the blessings that God gives us And these are so many things. Let's not forget how he's blessed us with resources, gifting, spiritual gifts, opportunities, empowerment to bless others. But what are some practical ways in which we can go out into our world and be a blessing? Well, the first one is this, I believe. We bless when we serve. We bless others when we serve. You see, Jesus is the ultimate example of this. In order to fully grasp Jesus' teaching on serving, you need to think about what a paradigm shift is, okay? Now, a paradigm shift is a fundamental change in an individual's or in a society's view of how things work in the world. It's a fundamental uh, change in approach or underlying assumptions. It, it, It really occurs when a known and traditional way of thinking gets reversed by new information that's been brought to light. You see, there's been paradigm shifts all throughout, you know, life. You know, in school, you learn about science, right? And you learn, you know, that you can't fall off the earth, but that gravity keeps you on, right? There was once a point where people didn't know that, and they literally thought they could fall off. And gravity, you know, kind of gave us some answers as to why we can walk on the earth. Um, I was thinking about music and media this past week. I saw an article in the Star Phoenix about a church that was opening, like, a, a video rental store or something like that, trying to take it back to the 90s. And uh, it got me thinking about media, movies, music, all that stuff. How you used to have to have a physical product in your hands in order to to use it, you know. And and to think back in the 80s that one day you wouldn't even need a physical product. You would just need a device and a few clicks. And all of a sudden, all this stuff would be at your disposal. It's a paradigm shift. It changes the way you once thought about things. And you begin to see them in a new way. And paradigm shifts, I think, we all experience them from time to time. And they can deeply affect us and cause us to embrace or reject something, depending on what's at stake. And I say all that to say this, that when Jesus lived and carried on his earthly ministry, his ministry was, was, was shaped by paradigm shifts everywhere you looked. You see, Jesus would say things like, love your enemies. Up to that point, you know, it, it, people didn't necessarily think about that. Pray for those who persecute you. He redefined who our neighbors were. And no more is this paradigm shift evident, no more clear than when we talk about serving and what it means to serve others. You see, from a quick look at scripture, whenever I hear the topic of serving come up, my mind immediately goes to the scene where Jesus is having the Last Supper with his disciples. And he completely changes the mood in the room, um, expectations of those in the room that evening. As he gets down and he assumes the lowly position of washing the feet of his disciples. 
This wasn't what was supposed to happen according to the line of thinking. You see, people of great position, they're the ones who are served is, is, is the thought process. They're the ones who get the perks. They're the ones who get waited on. They're the ones who get their feet washed. And Jesus reverses this line of thinking by getting down and washing the feet of his disciples. It was like something nobody had ever thought like could happen. And it was met with resistance. You know, the disciples like, spoke to him. No, like they couldn't fathom the Son of God wanted to wash their feet. They knew who he was. They knew he was the Messiah, and so this was outrageous and scandalous that he would be washing their feet, when in their minds, what needed to happen is they should be washing his feet, and, that, and that's, that's true. But Jesus came to give them a new way of seeing things, and he wasn't just going to speak it to them, but he was going to model it for them right there at supper time. You see, in John chapter 13 and verse 6, it says, He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. There's that resistance. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. And, that, and there's, that's a deep portion right there that we could spend a lot of time on. But to make the point tonight, people in this moment were astonished. Like, I don't know about you, but I love watching movies where... You think you know what's going to happen, and all of a sudden, a scene happens and everything changes, right? It's nothing like you expected. You're left almost confused, right? Now, on the movie screen, that's fun. In real life, not so fun all the time. Sometimes that can throw us for a loop. Sometimes that can, you know, frustrate us and cause tension in things. It can take us by surprise. But this is precisely, I think, what happens here as Jesus begins to wash the feet of his disciples. And he models to us what serving is. He's displaying humility, love. And most of all, Jesus is modeling the example that he wanted to leave them with. And with all those who would follow him. And that's that if you want to be great in God's kingdom, it begins not with having others serving you, but by beginning to serve them. You see, Jesus said it like this, continuing on in verse 13. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a master messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, Jesus came to establish a kingdom that was upside down and not like the kingdoms of the world around him. The kingdoms of the world around him were measuring success by power or by how you can get others to serve you. But Jesus came to establish a kingdom that was upside down and that this living was going to be different. It wasn't going to be about how others can serve you. It was going to be more about how can you serve one another. And it should be no surprise to us that this kind of living, it feels foreign in our culture. It doesn't always feel celebrated. <laughs> It isn't something that naturally appears desirable sometimes to our human instincts. It doesn't always come naturally to me. It's not the natural go-to, but in our world, you know, when we are met with the decision to love and serve others, even at our selfish expense, it's difficult, and it requires us to humble ourselves for sure. But if we want to follow the example of Christ, we need to be intentional and purposeful 
about serving those around us. You see, in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, later on in the book, Jesus makes this claim about himself. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You see, our Lord came down and emptied himself, taking the very nature of a servant. You would think that if anyone's going to want to be served, it's going to have to be, you know, God's son, but no. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And if that's the case, then how does that need to affect how his followers live? And so if Jesus, being the Son of God, came to serve, then his followers are called to nothing less but to serve as well. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 10 says it like this, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love that last part. You see, when God gives us a gift, that's grace on our lives. That's grace on your life. That's grace given to you, that he's given you that gift. And each of us needs to use that gift that we've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God gifts us not just so we can be talented and have gifts, but so we can use them and put them to work and love one another. Verse 11, right after here, says, If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. You see, the, the, the whole thing behind serving is that when we serve, we don't rely on ourselves. We rely on him to work through us. We rely on his strength. We rely on his empowerment so that he can be praised at the end of the day. It's not about building my platform. It's not about building my reputation. It's about building his and pointing back to him and praising him through what we do. If anyone serves, do it with the strength that God provides. Church, God give you strength for that. God gives us strength when we serve one another, when we love each other. You see, the Bible says we're one body, but we're many parts. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And so Paul goes on to write, so, you know, the hand can't say to the mouth, I don't need you. And the eyes can't say to the feet, well, I'd be better off without you. It doesn't function right without each other. Your body needs everything, right? And in the same way, the body of Christ needs each and every single one of us. And so everyone's important. Everyone's contribution matters. I think sometimes in our culture, we we can sometimes have this temptation to prop up certain gifts up here. Like people on the stage are here, or people who do this are here, or people who got that ability are here. I'm kind of here. Maybe I'm here. It seems like what I do is insignificant. But, you know, when Paul talks about the body of Christ being a body and needing each other, it shows that no one's contribution is insignificant. It's all valuable. It's all needed. We have to have it. We can't do it without it. The eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. We need each other. We need our contribution. We need each one doing their part because God has gifted you with a purpose so that you can serve him and love his church and the common good. Amen? And, and, and what you have to offer, don't downplay it. God's given you gifts and talents and abilities and opportunities for a reason. He'll use you in them. But we can't downplay these things. Everyone matters. Everyone plays a part. Everyone has a role. Everyone belongs. Amen? Secondly, here's another way we bless, I think. We bless when we give of our time, talents, and treasures. 
We bless when we give of our time, talents, and treasures. You see, I always think about the parable of the talents, or in some translations, it's called the parable of the bags of gold. Uh, in Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus gives talents, or some translations say bags of golds, to his servants. Either way, the master gives them these things. And the expectation is that they're going to take what their master gives them and use it and invest it well with the expectation of producing more. And so when the master returns after handing out the bags of gold or the talents, two of the three servants did what they were supposed to do. The one who was given five talents invests, earns another five, master's happy. The one given the two, invests, earns another two, master's happy. Two of them use it well, two of them invest it well and make more. They're commended, but one of the servants, it says in that portion in Matthew 25, saw that their master was kind of a tough man in their, in their opinion, was a tough man, and decides just to bury it. This way, they won't lose it. And when he returns, they could just give it back and return it. And that servant's the one called out and judged for doing nothing with what they were given, right? I think even if they would have tried and stepped out and done something and failed, it would have been better than just to bury it and do nothing with it. And God's given us time, talents, and treasures, amen? And he's given them to us so that we can invest them into his kingdom and into his work and into what he wants. You see, some of the forms we, say, we, we see these things take, some but not all, are time, talents, and treasures. And we don't just bury what God's given us, but we invest them into the kingdom. You see, the priorities of kingdom-minded people are to love God and to love others. And so within that, we invest our time, talents, and treasures. And so sometimes I have to ask myself the question, is there any way in which sometimes I withhold blessing others in any of these areas? of time, talents, and treasures? And do we ever make excuses for not actively blessing others or putting to use the things God has given us? I think sometimes we fail to see the things that God's put in our hands to use and to go out into the world and make a difference. I think sometimes it's easy to justify it away and sometimes just move on. But we can be like the disciples sometimes, I think. When Jesus, you know, this portion's in Matthew 14, but Jesus was about to do this great miracle in front of them and feed 5,000 people. In fact, it was more than that. I think they were just talking about men in that part. But the disciples could only focus on their lack that day and what they didn't have rather than what was right in front of them and probably more importantly, who was right in front of them. And so Jesus, they're about to leave. They want to get some sleep. We all get tired, right? It's reasonable. And Jesus sees the crowds coming, and they want to get out of Dodge because they're, they're tired. And Jesus says something like, well, why don't you feed them? And this is what they said to him. They said, we, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, Jesus said. And Jesus does an amazing thing that day. If you keep reading in that story in Matthew 14, you'll read about how many people were fed till they were full. And how much leftovers were left, right? Anyone like leftovers, right? Like, come on, right? You know, sometimes leftovers take better than in the moment. But the disciples say, this is all we have. And Jesus says to them, what I believe, he says to all of us, when we feel this way. 
when we feel like this is all we have, you know what I think Jesus says to us? Well, just bring me what you have. Just bring me what you have. Bring me what you got. But what I think often happens is we, we, we look at the ways in which we can't do things. We look at the excuses. And we can come up with these pretty good. And if you're anything like me, you know you could talk yourself out of anything, right? And so we say things like, well, you know, I, I didn't even finish college. Well, how much did you finish? A couple of years? Well, bring me those years. But God, God, I hardly even know the Bible. Well, just bring me what you know. But God, you know, I'm hard-pressed for time these days. Well, bring me the time you do have. Maybe an hour a week to start with. But God, I'm feeling a little afraid. I'm feeling insecure to try and step into that. Well, bring me that fear. I can deal with that better than you can, right? You see, regardless of your limitations that you see, please... Just bring me what you have. And that's what he said to his disciples that day. He did an amazing, an amazing thing. You see, the disciples found themselves in a moment where it made sense to send the crowds away so that they can go get some food. And Jesus' request to them just threw them for a loop. And Jesus says, well, how about you just bring me what you got? And let's see what happens here. I wonder if he says the same thing to you and I today. You see, as we keep reading, we see that Jesus took what they had and did something extraordinary through it. And at the end of the day, the disciples simply did what they knew how to do, trusting that Jesus would probably do something unusual with it all. They did what they knew how to do, trusting that Jesus would do what only he can do. Maybe it's better said like that. They did what they knew how to do, trusting that God would do what only God could do. And I think when we frame it that way, it changes things for us. I think when we frame things that way, and when you start to feel the leading from God in your heart <laughs> that says, you know, I want you to sign up for that, or, you know, I want you to go talk to those people, or I want you to be a part of this, 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 this mission opportunity here, or, you know, I want you to step out of your comfort zone and begin serving here. I want you to take something new on, and you immediately begin coming up with all sorts of excuses in the world for why you can't, shouldn't, or couldn't, or why you're not just ready for it. I think in those moments, we need to recognize that your responsibility and my responsibility every single time in re response to God speaking is quite simple. You simply do what you know how to do, and then trust that your heavenly Father can do what only he can do. Amen? Do what you can do and trust that he will do what he can do. You know, we don't have the power necessarily to change people, but he can. Amen? He can do immeasurably, exceedingly more abundantly, more abundant all we can imagine. Bring to him what you have and trust that he can and will do something through it. Bring him your time. Bring him those talents and those treasures that you've been given. And trust that God can, can multiply them and use them in ways that maybe we can't even imagine. Maybe ways that we couldn't even conceive of happening. Just bring him what you have. Because we bless others when we use our time, talents, and treasures to serve God and to serve them. Finally, third point. This is the last point we're going to make tonight. But we bless others, and I think this goes with everything, when we look beyond ourselves and to the needs of others. We can become a blessing when we look beyond ourselves and to the needs of others. You see, serving others reminds me so much that life is not simply just about me. 
Serving other people reminds me that there's more to life than just me. Serving is an attitude towards God, and it's reflected towards other people. When we serve other people, we begin to take that focus solely off what we want or what we need, and we move our attention onto God, and then towards people and their wants and their needs and their desires. You see, serving, I think, really frees us from that mentality that life's just about us. It helps us recognize the key to what Jesus was trying to teach them when he washed their feet in the book of John. You see, serving, I think, frees us from the Western mindset that our Christian life is just individualistic. It's just this individualistic way of life, but serving brings us back to where I think Jesus desires us to be, and that's community with other people. And sometimes that community is not even about you. Sometimes I think we get tired and we're like, ah, I'm just going to stay home today. But what if, what if someone that day needed you? What if it wasn't about you, but what if they needed you in that community, right? Serving reminds us about how important the world out there really is to Jesus. More importantly, when we give and serve, it not only benefits us, but I think it benefits those in the community, and it connects us together with one another. If you ever want to get more connected, I always say to people, join a team. Start serving with people. It's amazing how you'll grow together in that. You see, in Philippians chapter 2, we read this. Paul, writing from a jail cell, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ and if you keep reading there, it talks about how Jesus lowered himself and came down in the form of human, right? Emptied himself. The theological term's kenosis. Emptied himself to serve and to love others and their relationships with each other. Have that same mindset, Paul's telling us. We bless others. We are a blessing, church, when we look beyond ourselves into the needs of others. How many of you have ever heard the story of the Good Samaritan? Anyone? Right? It's a fascinating story, and I'm not going to give you every detail because we could be here for two days, okay? But the story of the Good Samaritan is interesting because there's this person on a road who gets beaten up and robbed, right? Laying there, possibly dead. Who knows? It's pretty bad. And all of a sudden, three people in that time pass by. One a priest, one a Levite, one a Samaritan. And the priest gets there, sees it, and is like, eh. And just keeps walking, right? The Levite gets there. I didn't really just see that, right? And kind of keeps moving. But the Samaritan, the one in the story, and if I can get into it today, I would, but I'm not going to, who for cultural reasons wasn't expected to really do any good. People didn't look upon Samaritans with good things in these days. Sat there, picked the person up, cleaned them up, took care of them, put them in the inn, Paid for extra nights if needed, right? And loved them. And took care of them. You see, the Samaritan was a neighbor, Jesus said. Well, you got them to answer the question. <laughs> the Samaritan was the one who loved God and loved people that day. You see, now in, in defense of the priest and the Levite, and this is a very small defense because they, show, they still should have done something. But there's a chance they might have avoided it because that person could have been dead. And they might have been on their way to the temple 
to do their religious duty. And back in these days, if you read in the scriptures, you'll read about cleanliness, unclean, clean, all that stuff. And if they were to touch a dead person, that could actually disqualify them from doing their duties that day. And they'd have to go through a long process of cleanliness in order to be able to do what they're supposed to do. So there might be something like that. But here's what I know for sure when you read through the story of the Good Samaritan. Is that two people in that moment saw an inconvenience, but one saw an opportunity. Two saw what for them would be inconvenient. One saw what was possibly an opportunity to be a neighbor and to be a blessing to a person in need. You see, it's been said, only if you see that you've been saved graciously by someone who owes you the opposite will you go out into the world looking to help others in need. When we recognize what God's done for us, it transforms not only us, but how we see him and how we see others. And so in the Good Samaritan story, Jesus asks the listeners that day, well, which of them do you think was a neighbor in this story? Which, which of them was the neighbor to the, the man who fell into the hands of robbers? You know who I think it was? I think it was the one who saw the need and met it. The one who recognized the cost and paid it. But you know what I think? And I'm just throwing this out there this is helpful for me and maybe it can be helpful for you too but I'm very glad he didn't talk himself out of it aren't you story has such a better ring that he took care of the, the person on the road right he didn't talk himself out of it and I wonder sometimes in life when it comes to serving when it comes to being a blessing we're our own worst enemies of talking ourselves out of things of telling ourselves, wow, well, you know, I can't do that, or I can only give so much, or I can only help in this way, right? And sometimes I wonder if we miss things by talking ourselves out of them. And I'll tell you a quick story. I came to faith when I was 18, and I got into a bad car accident in my grade 12 year, and I was on the couch by the doctor there for a while, and at 18 I was quite anxious about it, because what is this, right? I can't go anywhere, can't do anything, can't, can't have anything happen right now, right? I'm on the couch. And my mom could tell I was going through stuff. And I wasn't a Christian. I was far from God. But she was a Christian. My mom was. And there was a guy down the street named Dean who I used to look up to because he was the older guy. He was a few years older than me. Hockey player. <laughs> wore all the cool clothes, all that stuff. I remember looking up to Dean. And I remember when I was on the couch, my mom must have talked to him. I'm, I'm assuming this is how it all went down. And asked if he would come visit me. And he did. He showed up one day with a get well card, a pizza, watched a movie. It's exactly what I needed probably. And I remember about a week late, about a few days later, actually, he did the same thing. And no pizza this time. You only get pizza once, right? But he still came back. He hung out with me, spent time with me, cared for me. And then it became a daily thing. And then we started hanging out all the time. And I remember now, looking back on it, he's still one of my good friends. I chat with, you know, I love chatting and getting together with this guy. He told me in that moment, he wasn't even at a good place in his spiritual walk, in his walk of faith, walk with Jesus that he wasn't even in a position to really be doing what he was doing. <laughs> and yet he loved me. He cared for me. Eventually brought me to church. Eventually opened my eyes to see who Jesus was. Eventually got me serving in the youth group. Like that was crazy that they let me do that. But, you know, and I think about what he did. And I think what he did at the end of the day was he saw that there was a need presented to him, probably by my mom, and he met it. Right? 
he, he saw a cost and he paid it. He took care of it. But you know what I'm thankful above all? I'm so thankful he didn't talk himself out of it. I'm so thankful he didn't talk himself out of it. You see, you have no idea what hangs in the balance to your response when you see a need that you can meet, when you see a cost that you can pay, and that when you sacrifice for it, and when you're trying to talk yourself out of it, and you don't. You have no idea what hangs in the balance. And so, what if we went out into our world and met needs? What if we saw the cost and took care of it? What if we made sure that we didn't talk ourselves out of these things. Here's what I know. God's blessed us. God's blessed you. Amen? And we are to go out and bless others. And in a roundabout way, when we bless one another, we actually bless God in the process too. Jesus said it like this, whatever you do to the least of these, you did unto me. Church, God has blessed you. And if you know him, you're blessed. And we're not just blessed for ourselves, but to go out and bless others. And in some amazing way, when we bless other people, we in fact bless God too, because God's heart is for the world around us. For you, for me, for others. Love God. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so God's blessed us to be a blessing. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? We're going to sing and I'm going to pray quickly for us. Lord, I just pray, God, that you're hand would be with each one, Lord, today. God, we just um, pray that as we go into our world, thank you, Lord, that you've blessed us. Thank you, Lord, that you care for us. Thank you, Lord, that you strengthen us in everything. And I just pray for that, Lord, today. I pray, God, that you would just help us see the opportunities, Lord God, that lie in front of us. Give us the courage, Lord, to meet needs. If the cost costs us a bit of time, Lord, or costs us something, Lord, help us to recognize that too. But Lord, keep us from talking ourselves out of things too, Lord. Thank you, God, that you give us opportunities to bless one another. God, I'm in a room of blessed people today. I pray your blessing upon upon each need, upon each thing today. And Father, would you just use us, Lord God, to go out into the world and bless others as well. In Jesus' name.